Welcome to PR After Hours, your weekly cocktail of news and interviews with leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. So pull up a chair in our virtual lounge. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will be right back after this. It's always cool when I don't scare people off and they come back for more. And <laughs> that's why I'm so glad to welcome back a special guest. First met him in, I believe it was August. So right about now in 2021, uh, we met Mickey Kennedy. He's the founder of E-Releases, a company he started 24 years ago with a mission to elevate small businesses, inspiring businesses through the power of press release marketing. Residing in the beautiful Baltimore area, Mickey has worked tirelessly to ensure businesses get the visibility and credibility they deserve. So today we're going to go back and revisit a few things about e-releases, catch up on what's new, and remind you listeners, especially if you didn't catch that episode, why press releases should be a foundational part of your marketing plan. Mickey, welcome back to the Virtual Lounge. Well, thanks for having me. So has anything changed about press releases in two years? I mean, should we just stop doing them? Are you closing your doors? What's going on? Well, we have AI now, uh, which is interesting. And uh, I've, I've been asked what I think about it. And I think that if uh, for entrepreneurs and people who are struggling to write, it could be a valuable tool. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to help terribly much with strategy, you know, determining what you should be writing about, what you should be doing. But I do think it could help you craft a press release. Your service, which I have used, by the way, thank you very much. It is quite good. And I don't, I don't, I'm not getting an endorsement fee for saying that, folks. I used it. It works. I like it. But what I like about yours, too, is that you guys don't just kind of cast you adrift. You know, you you guys will review your stuff for people, people's stuff for them, right? And to your point about AI, AI uh it can't do that for you in a, in a way that will protect you if you're putting out a press release um do you think people do you have you seen a few anecdotally stories of people where they're like yeah you know yeah i don't need a that i don't need anybody to help me write have you seen that and have you had to correct it <laughs> well i i my client base generally tries to write and draft themselves and we do help them because everybody at e-releases is an editor. We don't have any salespeople or anything like that. So we do try to help them, uh, you know, get to a, a better written press release. But I think that using it as a tool for helping to, you know, write something a little bit tighter and maybe a little more organized, I think is a, is a useful application of AI. Um, I think that, however, if you just say, you know, AI, here's a company, we're celebrating a 10th year anniversary, write a whole press release from that. I don't think you're going to get good results. But it, I, I find when you coach the AI, sort of paragraph by paragraph, knowing what you want each paragraph to be about, I think you get a much better result. I think it really, you know, varies with the person, you know, some people are good about giving up control and letting others, you right. know, professionals write a press release for some people are just like, I'm going to figure this out myself. And uh, I think that for them, it could be a tool that could be useful. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I'm with you on that. I use it to I said this, uh, I feel like I've uh, I, Listeners, I'm, I'm recording a lot of stuff ahead of season eight. By the time you hear it, we'll be in the thick of season eight. I'm recording a lot of these at the end of summer and uh, into late August. And I've already done a, several interviews, not even ostensibly about AI, but everybody brings up AI and the stories about AI and how people are using it. And I've said myself several times, 
Um, when I'm creating content for a client, I find it useful at least to help me organize my thoughts. Like, okay, if I'm writing a post or an essay or, or content of some sort about blank, 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 and I put in my prompts properly, it will at least get me started and get me organized and probably provide me with some stuff I hadn't thought of previously. But uh, to your point too, though, it's, it's nothing. I've never once seen anything where I'm just like, Yep, that's it. Let's just post it the way it is because you you just don't. Because what will happen is there'll either be something, you know, a, a fact that's off um, or you'll get a lot of repetitive language, which I've seen. Like it, it's it, it, AI is a lot like me in the sense that it tends to repeat itself. So I, uh, I I think people have to watch out for that. But to that point, though, that let's say people can put their stuff together um and to get things out there and get word out there though it's it's always been your take and i've always appreciated this as a pr guy about e-releases in the sense that you know you're like you know the, the press release is not dead it should not be dead it should be part of your marketing mix can you speak to that a little bit for anybody who might not have caught you the last time you're on sure so i think that a lot of people feel that press releases are a little antiquated or outdated but the truth is that they're a, a valuable resource for journalists who are busy and they predominantly stick to, you know, in, in the U.S., two to three wires that they peruse. And uh, e-releases is affiliated with PR Newswire, the oldest and largest newswire. And it makes the job of a busy professional journalist, you know, a little bit easier to just skim headlines that are really relevant for them. And, you know, by getting a login and going in there, they can sort of customize the feed that they see. And I think that that's the real value of it, uh, you know. Uh, there is a metric that has to be beheld to, to go over a wire. You know, they generally vet the people that go on there. So they feel pretty confident uh, with, with the material that's there. And I think that it just allows, you know, these busy journalists who are expected to do more with, you know, with less uh, to be able to, to, to move quicker. And uh, it is a, a great opportunity because of the leverage ability. Um, you know, we, we, you know, I, I, we did a release during the pandemic that did over 150 articles from one press release. And I, I dare say that, you know, direct pitching or any other way, it would be very difficult to get that kind of, you know, broad pickup uh, any other way than being issued over a wire. And another thing that I see a lot of people think about is that, you know, PR is really, you know, the game of the big giant companies, the well-funded, uh, you know, startups with millions of dollars in the bank. And, you know, a lot of them do turn to PR, but the thing to note is that a, a journalist tends to like to be seen as a curator and they like profiling, you know, small new discoveries, not just the big giant companies. As a matter of fact, the big giant companies can afford to advertise and they know that. So they, they, they get uh, more praise when they bring someone who has come from obscurity that no one knows about. You know, I, I, I've, I've uh, sent a few emails in the past to journalists who, you know, picked up a really great Kickstarter that was really cool that I hadn't seen and they brought it to my attention. And I, I thought that was really, uh, you know, an amazing pickup for them. And so they, they do get rewarded for finding small companies. So if you feel you're too small to matter, you know, I would rethink that because I think that being small and unknown in your industry is a huge advantage to journalists. It really is. You're, it's a, you know, it, you're very, this sounds funny, but your very obscurity is a differentiator in a lot of ways. If you've got something clever that can be brought to for, uh, to the fore, then it's, it's really, it's an advantage. You know, I just to, just to reinforce this, this, this 
part of the discussion, I'm on the board of a local uh, uh, organization, nonprofit, and we we're doing a big event, a fundraiser. And one of the board members told me, said, Alex, you seem like a smart guy, but why do we have this big, long press release? Nobody's going to read that. And I'm like, oh, contraire, mon frere. Um, it's, it's part of the foundation. I'm like, well, he goes, but nobody will read it. I said, I'm sorry, you're mistaken. A reporter who's interested in the hook we're using to get them in there wants to be able to, without having to email, without having to call, without having to Google, find all the other details. And it's all there. It's a one-stop shop. He, he said, he just didn't look... Uh, he didn't look uh, convinced, but then I said, uh, what committee are you on for this this organization? So I'm on finance. I said, okay, well, I'm not going to audit the books. Don't you audit the, the media. I said it in a laughing way, and he kind of got the got it at that point. But but I think people make that assumption. So I'm, it's always good to hear that. And, you know, I'm sure some people might listen and go, well, well yeah, Mickey's business is predicated on press releases. But but listen, folks, he's right 100%. And I like, I like the way you guys are so user-friendly, too. Um, you know, when I first interviewed you, I had not done it yet. And uh, I, I still remember I was like, because, you know, I've used them all, right? Um, I'm I'm the type of uh, PR agency where we don't do as much direct media pitching as a lot of them do. We're more strategy and crisis training and that kind of thing. But every now and then when I have to do a pitch or like I did for this nonprofit I'm working with, um, you look for a, a service because I don't want to pay an annual fee on a media list that I'm barely going to use. So I'll go to, I go to e-releases. I won't drop names of the others I've used, but yours has to be one of the most user-friendly. And I'm just going to throw you a curve here. How much of the user experience have you personally gotten into? Because I really do like how easy it is to use. How do you, how much of that have you tested yourself and said, let's, let's tweak this. So, yeah, I always go through the ordering system, especially when we're going to, you know, uh, go through an update and just say, is there opportunities here to make it more the flow, more user friendly and to make it more intuitive? Uh, yeah, one of the things that clients sometimes forget when they upload a Word document is a media contact. And so, again, the ordering system prods them to say, hey, are you sure that there's a media contact included and uh, things like that? So I just try to try to make uh, address some of the obstacles and friction points that are uh, part of the process. The press release is a, a different kind of beast when it, you know, when it comes to things being included, like a dateline, uh, city and state and things along those lines. So we just want to make sure that all of that's there. So we're not having to play phone tag or, or email back and forth, uh, you know, a great number of times. And you often offer packages, do you not? We do. Uh, you know, we, we, we've tried a subscription model in the past and people just don't like to be locked into a subscription model. And it's also kind of difficult because most small businesses can't do like a release a month or every other month uh, along those lines. It might be three or four times a year. Um, so what we do is we, uh, Put together packages we uh, offer uh, when a new customer comes in. We have a new customer rate, and they're able to buy a package at the at that rate. And then uh, we also do uh, semi-annual sales, which are are package driven. Yeah, I, I like that too. And what I'll do as a small PR agency is I'll just buy I'll but buy a package of them. You know, uh, uh, you know, I've done this with others. Just saying, but you can buy three to five, ten. Just depends on how much budget you have and how much you think you're going to need over the next year. And they. I don't some some expire some never do it depends on the work the company you can speak to that on on e-releases but um that's helpful for small PR firms to do that and uh then we of course can you know like I donate to the ones for the nonprofits but for the 
you know, the for-profit companies that work with me that need one, I charge them for it, you know, and, and it just works out fine. I get, get paid back, but, and as an agency save a little money because I get a discount from, for buying in bulk. So I find that useful, but let's talk a little, if we could, uh, about strategies. You already touched on this. This is really great. You already, you already kind of touched on like, well, what if you're like a very small Kickstarter idea or whatever you're just a small business that but you've got a hook but you think oh nobody's gonna care and all that stuff so you there's kind of that edge that differentiator but what about the underbelly of the industry like the blind spots that businesses often miss i mean how do you recommend companies and individuals researching this stuff what what roles does things like i don't know trade show gossip play in creating a good a good story and a good release right so uh when it comes to being strategic with a press release, you know, so many people are issuing the standard types of press releases, the new hire, uh, the product launch press release, that's just a list of features. And what they forget is that, you know, journalists are looking for a story. And so, you know, one of the great things that I, I say is, you know, play into the gaps. What is it that your industry is currently uh, not reporting on? What's a blind spot to them? And uh, a lot of times when we've been able to identify blind spots and uh, the industry publications have just gone really embraced it and gotten a considerable amount of uh, pickup, uh, you know, so what are the things that if you were at a trade show, you would talk with other people, but you don't really see in print? Like, have you noticed that most people who are paying net 30 are now slow paying, it's taking a little mm. bit longer? Uh, that could be a sign that, you know, there's some problems in the industry with with profits and and revenue. Uh, you know, are, are you... Uh, having trouble hiring or or are you facing a layoff and you could just ask how are things going with you or you know are you guys laying off or have you stopped hiring or are you aggressively hiring and things like that if you can sort of get a consensus among a few others that yeah we are noticing a trend here that's something that you can bring to the forefront and make the center of a press release and often it gets rewarded especially in your industry and trade publications I was getting ready to say, I took a little sabbatical last year and worked for some trade pubs uh, almost exclusively. I took my business, kind of put it on autopilot and did that. And it was great to be an editor, an editor again, and but also to get in the head of trade publications. And they are a different animal than the mainstream media. Um, could you speak to that a little bit? I think that sometimes I see this with clients all the time. I did a, a small client job for an organization and they had really not done much with their trade publications. And they were like, I don't know if it's worth it. And I'm like, well, who do you want to reach? Well, we want to reach our industry. Then maybe you ought to consider the trade pub. So could you talk a little bit, Mickey, about um, if you were advising people or, or at least what you see as the as the difference between pitching mainstream and pitching trade? Right. So I think at the end of the day, if, if your you know, customer base is, is mostly just consumers, uh, it probably, you know, general publications are probably a, a good fit for you, but I wouldn't discount trade publications. Um, I had a local carpet company in New Jersey that actively wanted to get in trade publications. And I just, for the life of me, couldn't figure out why, because, uh, you know, their customers are not reading, you know, carpet and floor trade publications, but uh, they had a bigger vision than I originally thought. And what they did was uh, they identified blind spots in the industry, mostly around marketing and mostly marketing against big box home improvement stores. And uh -huh. it was definitely a David versus Goliath approach. And it did extremely well um, over 
uh, several months, we got picked up in about 30 publications, of which 20 of them were trade publications. And I didn't realize there was that many floor trade publications, but they're out there. And they also got picked up in local newspaper and New Jersey magazine. And what they did with all of that is they compiled it and put it together in a big binder. <clears throat> excuse me, and they called it the big brag book. And so whenever they went out to give a quote to a client or a potential customer, they would take that and they would open it and show them, hey, here we are at Floor Trade Weekly. Here we are with this place. You know, we've been around for 20 some years. We know how to install carpet. Uh, yeah, you know, our, our people are our, our veterans. They know how to do a seam that you're not going to notice and it's not going to come apart. You're very often not going to have to have your uh, carpets restretched, you know, and some of these other guys don't. And when it comes to the big box home improvement stores, um, they don't even care if you've ever installed carpet before. They just call a list of home builders that have a licensing in that state for uh, you know, home repairs and home building and just ask if they're interested in taking a job tomorrow. And if you're out of work, you're going to figure out how to do carpet and you may not do a great job. And that's sort of what happens with the big box home improvement stores. And so I feel like uh, there can be different goals. I mean, one thing is being recognized in your own industry can yeah. be valuable. I mean, it helps you with suppliers, vendors, uh, potential people that you can align yourself with. Uh, you know, potentially there are mergers or acquisitions that happen. And the more visibility you have within your industry, I think it's going to be easier for you to do that. Not to mention, you can take those accolades and share them uh, with your potential customers as well as your existing customers. Um, you know, one of the things that I see really sad is uh, clients who do get media pickup and they don't share it on their social media. They don't put it in their newsletters that are going to potential leads and customers. And what you have to realize is that uh, when you know someone writes about you, it's like third-party corroboration or social proof. And social proof. Uh, yeah. And so that credibility that you get is why when people click from an article that's written about you, they will buy at a rate that is shocking compared to a typical sales landing page. I've, I've had clients who've come to me and said, hey, we got like 300 visitors from this article and it looks like 100 people bought. Is that possible? And I, I'm like, it is because, you know, when you read an article that that credibility and uh, implied endorsement really rings through and you get you know, activated and you want to do business with this person or this business. And so I think that that's the real value of, of PR as opposed to, you know, other forms of marketing and advertising. hundred percent. I, I almost uh, broke in and said the same thing you just said though, about, you know, about the social proof. And it's so smart of this carpet company to show up and, and let people look through this foot and go, you know what? Um, you, you don't get this kind of press in our industry unless you're good um i don't think you're going to see x y or z in here and, and you know that matters to people that really does and like that organization i worked for over uh, a while back earlier this year um they they were so excited to do that because some of the feedback i could see already was that other vendors were, were more willing to work with them based on that and so it's like you said it's that social proof that uh, that you are respected that you're not fly by night that you're not underqualified which is so perfect and uh, you know so just saying uh, on behalf of pr people everywhere if you have trouble with trades let us know we can usually help but definitely e-releases though gets the word out i love that about that well let's ask let me ask you a little bit though how about this for a tactic if you're trying to as we do get the eyeballs no matter what whether it's trade or mainstream what about being like the devil's advocate or the contrarian what about that tactic 
Right. So that's a really great way to get uh, PR, especially if there's something trending. You know, many years ago, uh, the concept of newsjacking came out where you attach yourself to a, a hot uh, topic that's sort of trending. And what you find is everybody's doing that. So uh, I remember the credit card breach many years ago with Target. And it seemed like every security consultant uh, came out of the the woodwork with their press release that they were issuing. I wouldn't be surprised right. if there was 1,400 different people issuing the same version of a press release. And what you have to realize is out of those 1,400 press releases, there was probably under you know, three or 400 articles that were written uh, in most major publications. And uh, so there wasn't enough slots for everyone. And however, if you were the contrarian and you were saying something against what everybody else was saying, you have the opportunity to be in almost all 300 of the publications that were went to print because journalists like to be fair and balanced and show both sides. And if no one's raising their hand and pointing out the contrarian side to things, that's a huge opportunity for you to be plugged in every time there's a mention. And so I feel like the, being a contrarian, uh, where appropriate, you'd never want to take a position that's going to alienate you from your customer base. But if it, there is a, an approach that you can take and be reasonable and not jeopardize your relationships, I think that's a great uh, opportunity to take and to move forward with. Uh, that's so perfect. I love that. And I, was, I you, every time I'm getting ready to jump in and go and just be careful though. And of course, you you nailed it before I even had a chance because and that's the truth. And that's what I like about you too is that. Uh, I assume you're kind of looking out for a lot of your clients that way. I'm not saying you necessarily are saying, have you thought that, you know, verified this, but at least, but I like the fact that you're thoughtful about that. Um, you know, it's not just a kind of a pass through service that you operate. I think that's pretty great. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of tactics you can use. The press, we we all agree here, you know, that the press release is good. There's a lot of good tactics, the contrarian tactic, the the industry gossip tactic, um, you know, the fact use use what you think is a weakness as a strength, you know, if you're small and going, oh, nobody cares. But no, that may be exactly why, because you're this David versus Goliath situation. Um, what's worn out? What what are you seeing that people just need to stop for a while? I think the new hire press releases, with the exception of <laughs> Uh, you know, if you're an industry or if you've secured an industry veteran or you've named this new CEO or president, I could see that. But, you know, just because you have a new associate of HR or something like that, it's, an, you know, don't don't waste your money sending that over a wire. Uh, wow. You would be better served, you know, just sending it directly to your local paper and maybe a trade publication that puts on the move in roundup yeah. of most people. Uh, it, it really is, I think, one of the, the the biggest types of press releases that I see that just fall flat. And at the end of the day, I think businesses are doing it because they uh, know that the new hire feels good seeing their press release on Yahoo and a few other places. So I, I get that, but I also think it is a lost opportunity. Hundred percent. I mean, I we have the Business Journal here in Kansas City. You know, if there's somebody, you send it directly to them. You know, I would not waste, and I wouldn't. And I would tell a client, I'll, I, I'm kind of dumb this way, but if it's a long-standing client, I'll do it for free. You know, I'll just say, yeah, I'll, I'll do this for you. Don't worry about it. You know, that's silly. But I, I'm with you. What about what if we've updated our website? Right. Yeah. Or gone. Uh, what was it? Mobile responsive was a big one that we used to see a lot of. <laughs> you can see us on for. your phone now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that those move the needle very much. Uh, I, I, I haven't really seen them work. I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, 
product launch press releases that are just, here's our product and here's a list of features and here's a, a button to go buy. You know, those are sort of a missed opportunity as well, because if you were to beef it up uh, by providing uh, sort of like a use case of here's a client that used it, this was their right. results, and here's right. an amazing quote by them that allows the journalist to build more of a story arc. And I think that a lot of times, a lot of people approach a press release not even recognizing that a journalist wants to turn it into an article, and you have to have all the, you know, a lot of elements that they like, and the story arc is a really powerful one. So, you know, take that, you know, product launch press release that's just feature-driven and put a, some use case studies in there, uh, get some amazing quotes by different people, and I think that you can really, you know, make it easier for a journalist to consider using you. I often caution clients too about don't uh, don't get too crazy with all this. As much as we love Mickey's service, um, you know, like you've already alluded to this, but I'm just like don't wear don't wear reporters on your beat out with stuff like that because what will happen is they'll just stop looking at your stuff. Um, I was a reporter, as I said, I just spent almost a year being an editor again. Just took a little break. And I, my gosh, the stuff I got that had zero to one had zero to do with my beat or publication. That's one thing. But I know most people listening to this show would never do that or not intentionally. But two, just like you said, you know, well, we've got a new associate person in Kern Burling over here or or we just updated and refreshed our website and all that stuff. And I've just been, well, that's great. But that's that's not a story. That's not really news. Uh, so there's there are those things. And if we're if we're being kind of teasing a little bit, folks, and you've done this, that's OK. You are forgiven. We've all done it. But just don't do it anymore. That's all we're trying to say. Use services like Mickey's and, and like the services of your PR people uh, wisely. And it can really be beneficial. Um, as we start to wrap up, I just wanted to ask you, um, is there also, though, um, uh, an issue with how robust should a press release be? Is there a rule of thumb that you have or that e-releases has about, I mean, you know, is a 2,000 word release just too much, uh, 3,000 or 500 word too short? Tell us about your thoughts on that. I think between 400 and 600 words words is the sweet spot for most press releases. That being said, I've seen longer press releases that I feel were served by being longer because there was a lot of technical information that they just wanted to get in there. But, you know, sometimes linking to a page that has the technical specs, especially if it's going to drive a press release to 2000 words would be maybe a better idea than, you know, paying the fees that the wires charge for extra words. I, I completely get that. But I really think it you want to be concise, but you want to have all the elements there for a journalist you you don't want them to have to reach out to you because journalists right. are busy and if they have to sit on a story to get emails back and forth or a return phone call they're probably going to be, move on and you don't want that to happen so I, I do think it's important to have all the elements in the press release and not sort of use it as a lead gen thing to get journalists to contact you I agree. And what, what I have done with some of the more involved stuff is particularly if it's for a big event or something that's more than just a one-time story, you know what I mean? It's like an ongoing something they might want is I'll create a landing page or a newsroom on my website for it. And I'll just say, I'll give the, you know, I'll give the, the who, what, where, when, why in the release. And I'll say, if you would like art, if you would like deeper information, white papers, quotes, blah, 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 click here and it'll take them to a landing page and they can find all, a one-stop shop, if you will. Um, but what you don't want to do is just send out a release that's like a paragraph and say, click here to read more. you got to give them enough to get them interested and then have that other information packaged in a place where they can find it easily. Does that sound 
okay to you in general? Yeah, it, it's, it sounds perfect. I mean, when okay. uh, clients do a survey uh, or study, uh, I often recommend that they create a page where they put all of the survey questions and answers, even though the press release probably only dealt with what they felt were the most meaningful questions and answers, because you, you don't know what a journalist is willing to hunt and find. And if you have a, a, a page that's just you know, chock full of information and data. It is it is a valuable resource to journalists. Yeah, hundred percent. That's funny. I did I did one of those this year for a client, and we are thinking about how we're going to package this because it's so even for a small survey, it's a lot of questions, and there's a lot of graphics you could use and supply. And uh, I've also find too, folks, that you want to make sure you you control how that information is put out there, and you have a better shot at controlling how information is put out there if you supply the graphics for it. Right. Uh, the last thing on that, last thing, I know I'm keeping you, but uh, Mickey is, uh, what about infographics and stuff like that? Do, how do you feel about using those? Oh, infographics are great. Uh, they can be a, a really game changer. I've had clients who just went almost viral because of the infographic. Uh, they didn't necessarily always do an article accompanying it with it, but a lot of places used it, especially uh, for their online uh, news, uh, you know, mm -hmm data is becoming more visual and anything you have like that like an amazing infographic it really sets you apart from everyone else and if people are looking at two similar stories on newsworthiness and one has great graphics and including an infographic you're you're going to get picked up over the next over the other one you know many times over yeah it makes sense uh well hey make, how do people find out more information how do they use your fine service where do they go so uh, ereleases.com is our website. All of our social media is there. Uh, I do have a free video masterclass. This less than an hour that goes through strategic types of press releases. Uh, it's a great place for people who are looking to do an audit or just feel like they're you know not doing well with their PR campaigns. And these are some ideas that they could incorporate. And it's at ereleases.com/plan p l a n. Oh man, that's so. There you go again, offering more value. What's going on here? You, how do you expect to like make it twenty four years in the business if you? Oh wait, you already have. Oh my gosh, Mickey Kennedy. Uh, see why I bring him back, folks. He's great. Uh, he founded E Releases twenty four years ago after realizing that small businesses desperately need a press release service they can actually afford with that added customer service touch. And I think if you don't believe me after listening to this, go check it out for yourself. Or if you do believe me, go check it out for yourself at ereleases.com. Mickey Kennedy, my friend, you are always welcome here in the virtual lounge. Thanks for coming back. Oh, thanks for having me. Next time on PR After Hours, it's Brian Justice on copywriting, AI, and a whole lot more. You won't want to miss this one. And just out of curiosity to see what would happen, I took the transcript and I gave it to chat and I said, write a 1,000 page article based on this transcript. And what it turned around, it was not an article by any means. I, I described it as like, it was like a report. And it was like a report that was done by a pretty solid B student who's not particularly imaginative, but who goes to class every day and always does his homework. And, and that was about it. Talk to you next time right here in the Virtual Lounge on PR After Hours. You know what that means. It's last call here at the Virtual Lounge. Be sure to visit PRAfterHours.com for links to what we discussed in this episode and more. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for another round at PR After Hours with Alex Greenwood.